Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews, insights, project management, leadership trainings and lessons learned from the field of healthcare to improve the delivery of your projects and business performance. Hi and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are well. In today's episode, you are going to be meeting the lovely Shilpa Shah. Shilpa is a pharmacist and she is the CEO at Ken Local Pharmaceutical Committee, otherwise known as Ken LPC. And she also is the director of a branch at the Samaritans. She's absolutely fantastic. And we wanted to do this interview because we felt that there are many of you guys out there that may not understand the full expertise and scope and the support and help and guidance that your local pharmacy can offer. So we talked a lot about what is the role of the pharmacist, what is the role of the local pharmacy. We talked about Shilpa's role as a leader in this field, engagement, how she sets up her day, productivity. We also talked about some of the challenges she encounters and for those of you that operate in the field of primary care you'll be able to relate to this and one of the big challenges is how do you get independent businesses to operate collectively what was really nice about this interview is Shilpa shared kind of one of her strengths and one of her leadership qualities is that she's tenacious she's yeah she's really inspirational I think that she's one of these sorts of people that just puts herself forward She's a grafter. She works really, really hard. And in time, her hard work pays off. She's super approachable. We talked about her approach to engagement and where she's in the car a lot and she's passing one of her local pharmacies. She'll just pop in and say hi at the time of recording. She's relatively new in her position. So getting her face out there and getting known is really, really key. And we all know that it's really key. But I think that a lot of us probably don't go to as much effort as we could do. And I think her showing that she'll just pop into her local pharmacy, no appointment, just to say hi, I think is fantastic. I think it shows fantastic confidence. We recorded this in the middle of March 2020. So we couldn't go with an episode at the moment without mentioning COVID-19 and the impact that is having on local pharmacies. Um, I know that you'll love this. I know that you'll be able to relate to Shilpa a lot. And as always, I would ask that you like and share it. And I will see you in the next episode. Hi, Shilpa. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on, Tara. My pleasure. Would you be able to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do and where you work? Yeah, so um, I'm a pharmacist by profession. I qualified in 1999 and then did a year's training with Boots. I then went on to stay with them for 16 years. Um, As a pharmacist, I became a manager of um, various different branches. I then went on to work for Lloyd's Pharmacy as an area manager. Um, And now I am CEO of Kent LPC, so looking after the community pharmacies in Kent. What made you want to go for that role? Um, I think my heart's always been community pharmacy and I think that stems partly from um, I love business, I love um, pharmacy shops. My parents have actually had their own business which is a news agent and they've had it for nearly 43 years now and I kind of see the the community links they have and the way that they've got to know people, got to know their kids and even their kids um, and they really know everything about everybody and I feel that community pharmacy is exactly the same. When you get to know your patients, you build this rapport with them 
um, you see them all the time, you, but then you then see their kids and you see, you know, them looking after their elderly parents, etc. So for me, it's a real community feel. Um, and I feel very strongly, A, about community, um, but also about pharmacy and what community pharmacy can offer to the public. I think there's so much out there, so much we can do. And when this role came up, I guess I just sort of thought this is exactly what I want and I went for it. What does a community pharmacy do? But actually, I was in a meeting the other day with a GP and he said, what does a community pharmacist do? And somebody said, you've got a community pharmacist in your building. He didn't even know. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's quite sad to hear, actually. I think community pharmacy is your first stop shop for any minor ailment. But actually, if you go into them and talk through your symptoms, then they can refer you to the right department. So if you've got a toothache, um, you know, and they think it's an infection, they would refer you to a dentist. If you've got a problem with your eye, to the optician. And if you've got something a bit more medical that they'd need to see a GP for, they would refer you to that. I think what people don't often understand is that there is vigorous training for staff that work in pharmacies as well. So counter staff have to go through a training program where they can sell you products for your symptoms but actually there's certain things that are red flagged they then need to get the pharmacist involved who if they can't help you will refer you on um so uh, you know pharmacy is about going in when you've got any symptoms of any sort of start of an illness and talking it through with first of all the team on the counter and then um, if they need to, they'll refer you to the pharmacist if they can't help you. Um, and I guess the other side of it is as well, there's two other bits to it. So there's dispensing of prescriptions. So doctors give out prescriptions um, and you can get them sent to the pharmacy and the pharmacist will, um, the, the dispense will dispense and the pharmacist will hand them out and they'll give you advice about your medication. You're in a rush at the GPs. They've spoken to you about this illness you've got and this new medication, but you don't really get a chance to kind of process it and think it through in a, a 10 minute conversation. So actually you go into the pharmacy and the pharmacist can say, have you had this before? No. Okay, well, let me talk to you about what the side effects that you may feel are and actually how long you should take it, when you should take it. Um, and if you have any problems, come back to us. Um, and then I think the third component is services, which is so, so important. So we often help people stop smoking, which is a commission service locally. We help with sexual health services. So um, providing morning after pill um, for people under certain ages for free um, and giving advice associated with that. Um, we've got other services such as this new national service, uh, community pharmacy consultation service where NHS 111 will refer to us. Um, and there's a lot of different services and they vary across every pharmacy. If one particular pharmacy can't help you or hasn't got service, they will signpost you to one that can. Are pharmacists under pressure like general practice? Definitely. Yeah, I was going to say that the funding has been massively cut for community pharmacy um, and um, they are under a lot of pressure to pretty much deliver more than they ever have, but for no extra remuneration. Um, and I think an example of this is at the moment, um, if we look at the situation in Italy with uh, COVID-19, the only places that are open at the moment in Italy are pharmacies and um, supermarkets. And that in itself um, tells us how important community pharmacy is. We've had examples in Kent of doctor surgeries looking to be closing over the next few weeks um, um, for various reasons so that they can triage patients over the phone and, and, and have a different service so that, you know, it doesn't break the NHS. Community pharmacy doesn't have that option. We still have to stay open to help our patients. So what is your role as a CEO? What does a typical week look like? Um, so my role as a CEO is to liaise between public health, 
between the council, between um, you know commissioners of services, and represent all the pharmacies in in this area in Kent. So it's about 330 pharmacies. So I represent all of them. On top of that, it's about communicating with my pharmacies, um, and that's the independents, the um, the medium chains like Payden's, Delmagate, Enova, and the bigger chains such as Boots, Tesco's, Asda, etc. So it's liaising with everybody and and having a common ground and making sure that they all get the same information and communication so my, my role is really varied um i guess um a big part of it is I, I try and send out some sort of daily communication to our pharmacies i don't want to bombard them at the moment um yesterday for example i sent out everything with all the links to covid19 on it so that they had all the information in one place um today i'm going to send out something a bit more um i guess tailored to what to do if um you have issues with delivering medications to patients um, and hopefully over the weekend, I'm going to send out a bit more of a tailored uh, email as around well what to do with patients that um, are taking methadone or subutex, like substance misuse patients, how to help them better. Because I've been dealing with the commissioners um, with that at the moment. Um, so it's around communication. Um, I, I have to go to meetings as well every so often. So I'll be in a meeting with public health to talk about what kind of um, things are affecting uh, the public at the moment health wise. Um, what is um, I guess specific to Kent and Medway and is there anything we can do to somehow promote a service or or to work with community pharmacy to kind of overcome that specific public health need for example so um, but every week is so different I, I definitely don't have a typical week um, but it's about networking meeting up with people sometimes it may be a GP surgery that phones me up and says look you know we've got a bit of a problem um, we really need help with kind of working with the community pharmacy and it may be that I put them in touch with the community pharmacy or I go along with them to a meeting and help support uh, building a better relationship for the patients locally. Um, recently, I know you've been doing a lot of work, Tara, with PCNs. So we've been coordinating a community pharmacy lead um, for every PCN as well and then kind of giving them information that they, they can take to their PCN. How many pharmacists do um, can LPC support? So we have about roughly 330 pharmacies. And how big is your team? So my team's quite small, actually. So we have myself, who's full time, and I have a um, part time admin person working with me. Um, we are looking to hopefully recruit a services pharmacist as well in the future that will really be able to help support um, the services agenda for community pharmacy. Um, but then how it works is we have a committee of um, in, from April, we're going to have a committee of nine people and um, it's based on the sector of pharmacies you have. So where we've got the big multiples, uh, Boots, Tesco's, Asda, they're called Lloyd's, they're called CCA. Um, so we have three people that represent CCA pharmacies. Then we've got our medium independent multiples, such as Payden's, Delmagate, um, Enova, and a few others in the Kent um, area. They have three people representing all those contractors. And then we have three people from the independents. We meet up six times a year, but there's constant email communication in between evening meetings, etc. And I guess ideally they direct me on the work that they want us to do. But I go back to them and tell them what I've been doing and what I think the priorities are. Um, I've got a great committee. They trust that I'm doing the right thing for community pharmacy. So they pretty much let me get on with what, what I need to do. Um, but at the moment, for example, we've got a group WhatsApp and they were WhatsApping me about some doctor surgeries that have been closed, closing or um, some delivery issues they have. And then I realise that that's actually a, a, a bit of a wider issue and I can look into that further and support contractors as necessary. Who funds Kent LPC? 
So all LPCs are actually funded by the community pharmacies in the area. So each community pharmacy pays a small percentage towards uh, funding us. Are there any opportunities for you to get funding down from the NHS? Yeah, sometimes there is. So uh, what we do try and do recently, we had some PCN training um, for our PCN community pharmacy leads, and it was more about leadership training. So I was able to approach via the CCG some of our training hubs that we have in Kent, and we were able to get some funding for their training. Um, we were also able to um, get funding from H. EE, Health Education England in previously for various services and also sometimes when we launch a new service the commissioner will add in a bit of a training fee as well so there is different ways of getting funding it's getting harder and harder um, to get that funding but I guess if we go um, and explain exactly what we need it for and how the service is going to impact community um, then often um, more than not we do tend to be able to get some extra funding for our pharmacies. Where you say funding is getting harder, where do you think the opportunity is for you to be able to access funding with the development of primary care networks? So with primary care networks, um, it's really difficult because they're so early on in their um, in, they're so um, early on in their um, stage of development, I guess. Um, and community pharmacies only just become part of that. And I guess what we want to do is locally within a PCN find out what the needs of the population in that area are, and if there's a service to be developed. I guess it's about all of us working together and going right. What bit of the service can pharmacy do, and what bit does the I don't know the practice pharmacist need to do in the surgery, or what bit does the nurse need to do? the physiotherapist or the GP um, and actually then going to the CCG with a clear business plan to say we've got this idea can we get some funding to run it um, I'm not we're not there yet at the moment I think we're still in the stages where PCNs are still recruiting staff um, and and because they've still got their day job to do as well this is sort of almost a little bit of an add-on an extra and absolutely in the future this is going to be the best model working um, you know primarily for the population within APCN um, but until I, I'd say that we're sort of almost six months away from actually starting to look at projects that we can work on together and get funding for. Okay what are you currently working on what big initiatives are you currently working on? So before Christmas, we had a, a big national initiative, Community Pharmacy Consultation Service, um, and that was a big project that we launched out across um, every pharmacy nationally. And we actually had a 98% uptake in uh, Kent, and there's very few pharmacies that aren't taking part in the service for various reasons, such as they you know, haven't got the IT equipment yet. I feel confident that we'll be at 100% by about May. Um, and this has transformed the way um, I guess people see pharmacy because they'll phone NHS 111, go through um, some questions and then they'll be referred to pharmacy. So this service has been really successful and actually it's success really showed recently where before Christmas um, two surgeries in um, Dartford uh, were closed down um, overnight by a CQC. And there was an influx of where pharmacies had been getting maybe one or two referrals from NHS 111. They suddenly went from one or two a month to 170 some pharmacies in three days um, and that really really helped patients that was the biggest project that I think I've been involved in um, I've only been in place for six months but it was pretty much as I came in um, the next big initiative was that by the beginning of February we needed to have a community pharmacist lead for every PCN we've got 42 PCNs in Kent and Medway so it was about making sure that we had that person in place that it was the right person that the rest of the community pharmacists in Kent were happy with the person that was being nominated or going forward um, 
and looking at how we could support them in terms of leadership training and what the next steps for that are. Um, Another project that I've been working on with as well with uh, two local commissioners in Kent and Medway is uh, substance misuse. So this is for people who are trying to get themselves um, to stop taking various drugs and to go into a pharmacy and get some methadone, subutex instead. And actually, we've had some really positive meetings where we've been working really well together, um, especially with this COVID-19 um, project, because we've built those links. You know, yes, I literally I've been on the phone to them all day about what are we going to do if a pharmacy has to close or if a can't get into a pharmacy how are we going to get them this medication because it could be really serious if they don't get it um so i guess substance misuse is the other project that i've been working on so they're the three big things how do you set up your day and prioritize what needs to happen so it's quite a small team but what you do is huge yeah it is absolutely and i think one of the things is um i'm a big list maker so um my thing is around every sunday evening i kind of um plan for the week and I know that's something you do Tara as well I saw something on LinkedIn um but every Sunday evening I kind of sit down and go right what do I need to do this week so I'll just look at the meetings I need to go to um I then look at what um I guess my admin person could do for me um so if it's sending out an email etc and I normally pen up a bit of a to-do list for the for my admin person Sarah to sort of say right could you get these bits sent out for me could you collate this information for me etc and then what I do is around my visits I sort of plan well actually I'm in that area um and there's a couple of pharmacies around now I'd like to go and see them about something so I'm um, I, I live in London as well so I travel into Kent so when I'm in Kent I kind of want to make all my meetings on the same day as much as possible so that I'm really utilizing my time effectively and I think that's the big part of it time management when I'm in the car um, on the way to work I love listening to podcasts or the radio but actually in between journeys I'm almost calling people back that have called me so I can kind of go right I've called that person back that job's done um, if I get an email through, I'm on my phone constantly uh, in between while I'm walking from the car to my meeting going, right, that email can be filed, that email I need to come back to. Um, so it feels like you've pretty much got to be on it all the time. But actually, that's uh, that's the kind of person I am generally in life anyway. I'm really organised. So OK, so I love that. Um, what is your biggest challenge at the moment? I think my biggest challenge is every pharmacy is a business on its own. and actually we need to start really working together and um, having maybe specialists in each pharmacy and signposting to that. So you could have a diabetic specialist in one pharmacy, you could have a minor ailments um, specialist in another. And it's around, even though you're having your own business, it's about how can you signpost to another pharmacy. So it's around us, me really kind of getting community pharmacy to work together um, and to stop any inconsistency in service delivery. So you may have a pharmacy that's brilliant at delivering smoking cessation service, but then you may have a, a pharmacy nearby that doesn't have many patients. So it's about how can I engage every community pharmacy to deliver to the same standard so that public get the same service wherever they go. So I suppose we know why that's a challenge, but did you explain what, why is it a challenge? Why do they... What, what is the challenge around getting these private business owners to work together? What are they resistant and reluctant to do? I think sometimes it's just that fear, isn't it, of if, if um, a pharmacy at the moment isn't getting the funding that is appropriate, it's the fear that they may lose a patient uh, to another pharmacy, which means that's more um, money that they could potentially lose. And, and that leads to less staffing, that leads to them being able to help people less. So 
I think there's a big fear around losing patients to another pharmacy. But I think if we start educating the patients as well, that, you know, we're sending you to this pharmacy because they're an expert at this, um, you know, but do come back to us next week for your regular medication. I think that we can actually do it in a way that we're not going to lose patients. And people will always go back to their regular pharmacy because that's the pharmacist and the team that they know. Um, I think that's the biggest fear. I think, um, I guess, around... Because at the moment, a big a big challenge is actually stock availability. Um, paracetamol is out of stock everywhere. Um, but, you know, a lot of prescription-only medications are out of stock everywhere. And it is difficult to... Um, get that stock but I think what I want to encourage people to do is right which pharmacy has it locally can we send the patient there to go and get their medication um and then you know the next month they'll come back to you when it's back in stock from your suppliers etc so I think it's around just getting people to know that it, it's better to work together than to work against each other and how are you convening those conversations is it is it face to face are you setting up meetings or do you just call them how does that how do you persuade and negotiate all of this stuff I think the best thing is actually face to face. This isn't the kind of thing you can do via email or phone calls. Um, so the two things I'm doing to really encourage some face to face um, um, meetings is um, whenever I'm out and about, if I see a pharmacy, I always pull over and try and park somewhere and go in and see the pharmacy, the pharmacist and the team and just introduce myself and tell them a bit about what I do um, and talk to them about any concerns that they're having and then work through things with them. Um, the other thing that we do as well is twice a quarter we have an evening meeting uh, for contractors so we have one in sort of the Maidstone area one in the Ashford area where we try and get as many pharmacy owners pharmacy staff to come along as possible um, and these are we're building these up slowly so for the first few we didn't have very many people we had some in February where we had a much better attendance and um, all dependent obviously on COVID-19 if we are going to get together May June time I envisage that we'll have a lot more people there and that's where they get to they have something to eat together they talk to each other they get to know their um, competitors their neighbours their fellow colleagues the challenges that they're facing the successes that they've had um, and then we always try and follow it with a bit of an educational event or an update about what going on in the pharmacy world um, in the NHS world from me so um, they're working really well and I hope that we can continue them we do need to look at moving forward how do we move this more to a webinar based um, process um, a bit more online although I think the face-to-face -face, nothing can make up for that if I'm honest so um, we've had conversations around how you communicate with your stakeholders so you've mentioned potentially you know doing some more online stuff you've got your website um, do you send out a newsletter? Yep, so we have a monthly newsletter that at the moment goes out to every pharmacy in Kent and Midway. Um, and we are compiling a list of uh, CCG staff, um, commissioners, etc., who we can also send the um, the newsletter to. Um, so that's, and we do a lot of updates on our website. Our, our website's in the process of being updated at the moment, um, but all our PCN information, for example, is on our website for people to look at. Do you ever receive feedback that people don't know what's going on? Yes, because pharmacy is moving so quickly all the time, just as the NHS is. And actually, communication is absolutely key. So some people, are, if, you, if they've been on holiday, they may have missed some communication from the week before, which means that they're a week behind. They don't understand the communication they've got through this week, for example. So for me, it's just around kind of trying to pull it all together, make it as easy as possible for people and communicate as much as possible um, 
so that they can launch a new service successfully they can know what's out of stock at the moment before almost it becomes such a big problem um and yeah communication is absolutely key but there is so much going on that it is hard to keep up with it i would say but i saw this on your twitter the question i'm going to ask you and it was if you were given the same amount of funding on pump priming as primary care what would you look to do so one of the things I'd like to um, really see nationally, actually, is standardising a lot of our services. So smoking cessation is a service that every pharmacy I know um, in every area that I've ever worked in, you know, each each LPC, um, each commissioner uh, commissioned smoking cessation through pharmacy. But it's very inconsistent. It's different in Kent to what it is in London to what it is in Leicester. Um, and I'd love to see some standardisation across services. So for smoking cessation, for example, to become a national service, I'd love to see sexual health become a national service because, again, it's something that we offer in various pharmacies across the UK. But actually, each each um, area is commissioned differently for it. So I'd love to see a lot of standardization of services. What I would like to see locally is for us to really work with public health, work with the NHS, kind of get us all in a room together and go, right, what is the biggest health need of the population in this specific locality? And what can we do to fix that? So we could have other members of primary care there as well, GPs, nurses, um, and ourselves, and actually come up with a service that works for everybody, um, that is accessible to everybody, whether it's through the pharmacy or through the doctor, and that we get the funding to be able to do that. So I think for me, it's around really developing local services. But my big thing about this is I'd like to do that with PACE because sometimes you start a meeting in January <laughs> and following February, you're still working on that same project. And I think we need to work a bit more with PACE because um, that's what the population needs. So I'll ask you a question about kind of your leadership style and what do you think are your are your strengths that you utilise in your position as a CEO? So I think that my strengths are I'm quite personable and I I don't mind saying if I don't understand something. So if I'm in a meeting and I'm not really sure what the commissioner is talking about or public health, I'll kind of put my hands up and go, I'm not sure what you're talking about there. Could you go through that with me? Um, I am personable. Um, I think my communication skills are quite good as well. So recently I've been doing some really good work with the substance misuse teams, uh, Forward Trust and CGL. And actually they've come to me with some sort of ideas that they want to trial uh, locally. I'm able to go out to a couple of community pharmacies locally and say, uh, would, would you like to be a bit of a pilot for that? And the reason I think that both the commissioners come to me and the community pharmacies are interested is because of the way that I'll kind of listen to them and if they're not interested or they think it's not the right thing for their pharmacy I don't push them to do it I'm just like okay well no I absolutely understand that this isn't the right time for you to do this service um, maybe you haven't got the right staffing or you don't have the space etc um, and actually not forcing anyone to do something that they're not engaged with so um, and I think in this role I found that engagement is absolutely key I've really got to know people by making sure that I'm popping into, like I said, the pharmacies um, and getting them to see who I am, not just a picture on a website somewhere or just someone who signs off on an email. Um, so, so networking and, and, and supporting people locally, I think that's a real, real um, skill of mine. And if somebody was going for a similar position in a different locality, what advice would you give them? You've been there six months. What advice would you give to a new um, 
CEO heading up a different LPC? I think I would say to them, don't give up. I think that you come in really energetic, enthusiastic with lots of different ideas, and then you realise things don't move at the same pace. Um, in business, things really move with pace. So tomorrow, for example, if um, a competitor puts their prices up of a product, um, you know, the companies that I've worked for previously would kind of go, all right, we're running an offer on that product. And you'd have to pretty much get that offer launched straight away. So you, you learn to work with pace. And what I find is when you're dealing with different commissioners, different um, sectors in pharmacy and in the healthcare world, things don't move with the same pace. But what I, I would really say is don't give up. Be tenacious. If you really believe that what you're doing is right for patients, then keep on at it. Um, do it in the right way, influence in the right way. You don't need to be aggressive with it, but keep, remain, you know, keep up your enthusiasm because you'll come across a lot of obstacles where people go, well, that's not going to work. We tried that five years ago. It didn't work. We tried that before. It didn't work. And it's about let's try it again now. Let's try it a bit differently. What didn't work before? OK, well, let's take that out of it and let's do it this way instead and see if it will work. And actually, the other thing I'd say as well, I'm really not very good at doing this, but celebrating success. So if something has gone well, stop for a minute and say, well done to yourself. Because I think we're so, I'm, I'm the kind of person that's just always kind of looking at what I need to do next or how I need to move forward next, that I don't often stop to think, oh my God, in six months, I have achieved so much. Um, I'm really proud of what I've achieved. So do celebrate your success and, and keep up your enthusiasm. I love that. If you were to win an award, what would you like it to be for? Um, I think for me, it would have to be around some sort of, you know, engaging people. So I would love to to win an award for, you know, ensuring that community pharmacy in Kent is um, working together fluidly and that um, everybody's on the same page. So uh, I guess it's around maybe winning an award for, you know, this is the best service provision for a certain service across Kent and Midway. Um, and it's been led by myself and my team. Um, that's kind of what I would win an award for. If someone was to just take one takeaway from this podcast, what would you like them to know about what community pharmacy can do? Well, actually, I'd like them to go and visit their community pharmacy. I'd like everybody who listens to this podcast to pop into their community pharmacy and ask the team there and the pharmacies, what kind of services do you offer? Tell me a bit about your regular day so that they can find out from themselves what community pharmacy can do. Because um, I don't think I can sum it up in, in a minute or two, if that makes sense. I think that, you know, go and visit your local pharmacy and find out a bit about what they do every day for patients. And you'd be so surprised that they so go above and beyond every single day. I've heard of people delivering medication after work to patients that are housebound. I've even heard recently of community pharmacists saying that someone's been quarantined and they've, they've actually gone to the supermarket to get bread and milk for them and kind of drop that outside their door. And it's little things like that that will never be talked about, will never be commissioned, obviously, and never seen by everybody. But go and ask your pharmacists what they do. And again, they're not very good at, at celebrating successes. So they'll probably play it down massively. So whatever they tell you, times it by 10. And that's actually what they do. So, Shilpa, I know that you're involved in the Samaritans. Can you tell us more about that and how you got into that? Yeah, um, so um, I have a really busy um, work life, but actually I find that outside of work is just as important. Um, and so about five years ago, I was interested in volunteering locally. And again, it came back to uh, what I wanted to do within um, the local community. So um, I've 
lived um, in Waltham Forest um, my whole life and actually I really wanted to give something back to my local community so I went online to see what was available and I hadn't really um, known much about the Samaritans before and hadn't really even thought about it but they were having an information evening and I went along and I thought oh I really want to do this so I then um, applied uh, to become a listening volunteer um, so that's one of the people that listen to people who phone us up um, talking about uh, whatever they want to talk about and we listen to them judgment free and support them. Um, so I did my training to become a listening volunteer and that was um, coming up to five years ago now and actually I've had the privilege recently um, again back in October just before just after I started this job um, I've become the director of my local Wolven Forest branch of Samaritans and that's a three-year tenure that I'm doing at the moment and um, it's brilliant because it just it's just as busy as the LPC job. It's all voluntary, um, but it's different because you're dealing with volunteers who aren't being paid to do a job. And you just see people really go above and beyond. You know, everyone's got their full-time jobs, but then they come in. I've got uh, um, people that work um, alongside me, sort of a director for outreach. I've got um, a director director for volunteer support, director for caller support, director for mentoring. So I've got all these various directors that are supporting me. I've got a training team, etc. And actually, I've been so proud of how the branch has come together. We've got about 104 volunteers at the moment. We're hoping to increase that to uh, 140 by the end of the year. Um, they've really, really come together to support me. And so that takes up the most of my time outside of work. I absolutely love it. Um, and actually, the one skill it's given me, which I think that every leader needs, is listening skills. So as part of the Samaritans volunteer, it's so important when you're doing your training, they teach you all about active listening. Um, and you don't give solutions or advice to people. You listen and you coach them into hopefully finding their own solution um, because people are more likely to be engaged and, and kind of pick up on their own idea than they would if someone else gave it to them. Um, and that's the big skill that I've taken forward in my leadership as well to really listen and to coach people into coming up with the solutions themselves um, they're much more engaged if they do that so that's been brilliant how do you switch off because those are two huge roles and I think they probably have a big impact on your energy how do you completely switch off or is that or is volunteering your way of switching off <laughs> It's weird, yeah, volunteering is a bit of my way of switching off. I'm I'm not very good at fully switching off. I'm one of these people that, you know, almost if I haven't got something to do on Sunday, I start going, oh, my God, what am I going to do on Sunday? Like, I've got <laughs> like no, nothing planned. Yeah, I like to keep busy. Um, I guess my other thing that I do is it's just a little hobby I make. Uh, birthday cards Christmas cards and cards and stuff so sometimes I'll just have a, a craft day which is just kind of get all my stuff out and just, just make things and so it just gives me the opportunity to be a bit creative um, and not to think about anything seriously so I suppose I do that every so often like once a month maybe I'll have a whole day carved out for myself but the rest of the time I do like to keep busy I, I mean I love reading so again I suppose reading is a bit of a, a way to escape isn't it so I love doing that as well and another question I have now is that you come across as really confident and you're going for you know really high level roles where have you developed that confidence well it's really difficult I don't know if confidence is something it, it comes with time and it's I'm like everybody else. There'll be days when I go, oh, my God, I'm not doing a very good job at the moment. So I think I, I may come across as confident, but I think I'm like everyone else out there um, who every so often goes, oh, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing a good job? Um, and I 
think I've just always been brought up by my parents to sort of say, look, you've just got to go out there and give it a go. What's the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't work out and then you just change paths and do something differently. I actually didn't get the grades first time around to get into pharmacy when I did my A-levels and I had to resit a year um, and my confidence took a big knock then. Um, but when I got through that year and then got into pharmacy, I kind of thought to myself, what's the worst thing that can ever happen is that you, you know, you maybe don't get the grades you want in life or you have a small failure but actually if you learn from it things can only improve so I think over time I've just learned to maybe be a bit easier on myself and and you know if I know I'm doing a good job um then actually I should be proud of that and I think maybe that's where a bit of the confidence comes from. If people want to find out more about Kent LPC where can they find you? Um, if they go onto our Kent LPC website, they'll have all the information that they need to find out more about what we do. We're also on Twitter at um, Kent LPC. And if people want to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you personally? All my details are on the website and my email and my phone number is on our website under About Us. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. Thank you, Tara. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and we hope that you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, we would love it if you left us an iTunes review or if you comment, like and share it on our social media channels. You can find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care and on LinkedIn, just look for Tara Humphrey. So the Business of Healthcare podcast is being brought to you by THC Primary Care. We are a project management company specialising in the development of primary care networks, GP federations and training hubs. If you need support or you are looking for advice on how to progress one of your initiatives, please drop us an email so I can arrange a call with you so we can discuss this further. Our email is admin at thcprimarycare.co.uk. We've been helping primary care networks with their development plans, helping them to make the most of their network meetings, sharing training resources. We've had questions like what do we include in a project plan? We have implemented network-based contracts across GP federations. We also support the day-to-day operational management of training hubs and have also got experience in setting them up from scratch. If we can't help you, we definitely know some people who will be able to help you, so please do get in touch. And that's just to remind you, our email address is admin at thc primarycare.co.uk or come and find us on www.thcprimarycare.co.uk and in the meantime please tune in to the next episode of the business of healthcare podcast <laughs>